In the cinematic sea of prequels, sequels, reboots, and reimaginings, the Movie Retakes podcast considers the merits and desires for Hollywood's new takes on our beloved movie classics. Brothers Matt and Chris Sully, special guests, examine the latest retake franchises, pitch their own original retake visions, and share their love for the movies that made them. This is Big Sully. And this is Matt the Strolling Man, Sully. No running here. It's terrible. And I'm the special guest star, Vanessa. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks. So nice to have you So here. nice to be back. Back in the studio. It sounds bigger than it is. Uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone else listening today to another fine, fine episode of Movie Retakes. Uh, prepare yourselves, because we're going to do a lot of running. It's time to start running! I'll be back. Only in a rerun. Go! The Running oh, Man. Do I have to get up? I was just I'm kidding. We're probably going to sit mostly. But uh, we are talking about The Running Man today. A fantastic motion picture. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to follow us over on the Insta and Twitter and YouTube and Twitch. Uh, if you haven't caught one already, join us over on Twitch for a live podcast episode. We've got one coming up, the last one of the month, the 31st. But before then, we've got the 27th. Um, and this may come out after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's already happened. <laughs> so if you were there, I'm sure you had a great time. Thanks for joining. <laughs> it was a blast. Um, and that uh, was going to be all about women in film. Uh, trivia night. It, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time, didn't oh, you? That's probably my favorite when one that, ever. Yeah. That uh, when that thing happened yeah. and the stuff? Oh, was yeah. Great. Was so that one person said that thing. <laughs> one for the ages. Oh, we'll be quoting it for months. Uh, big congrats to Cheesemo on winning the Masters of the Universe giveaway. Boy, we had a lot of entries, uh, a lot of excitement over this, and uh, he was definitely excited to uh, to win that prize. So congrats again, sir. Couldn't happen to a better person. Yeah. What's happening on the show today, sir? Oh, we're going to answer some very important questions when it comes to The Running Man. Uh, Is the action star of old new again? Who failed to become the king of sci-fi, and which running man actor was a professor of wrestling? Mm. All Good very questions. interesting. I li- professor of yeah, wrestling. I like these. I never look at them in advance, so it's always a surprise to me, too. Interesting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? So you can just be a professor of anything? So interesting and unique. Well, I stretched the use. You'll find out oh. later in the program. First, <laughs> what you watching? Oh man, this one this one always catches me off guard. I'm glad I made notes. Uh, still working on Young Sheldon. I like it way more than I should. Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk on Sci-Fi, fantastic. I love Alan Tudyk and everything. Debris, a brand new Sci-Fi show on NBC from the makers of Fringe, loving it. It's like it's very X Files ish, very Fringe ish. I think you would dig it. Uh, kind of a mystery of the week with some sort of alien technology. Lots of fun. Uh, Young Rock, the story of The Rock as a kid, is fantastic as well. T- so funny. Uh, Superman and Lois is better than it should be. I finally got into Prodigal Son with... Um, uh, I, why do I keep blanking on his name? Uh, Sheen is his last name. Martin? First Charlie? name keeps... A, not Mar- No, not one of those Sheens. A different oh. Sheen. Look it up. Google it. And the guy who played Jesus, uh, Tom Payne, from uh, The Walking Dead is on there as well in the lead. And I watched the Snyder Cut. We talked about this on our last live. Uh, Four hours. I went into it not expecting much and was blown away. I'm super stoked. I want to watch it again. And I just found out they're really milking this deal. There's a black and white version of the Snyder Cut coming to HBO Mm -hmm. Max. I might give it a run. I enjoyed uh, Logan in black and white. Mm -hmm. It was really good. And Mad Max Fury Road, Mm -hmm. uh, the Chromium edition was really good as well. I dig that if the movie is made for the black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think Snyder must have been thinking about this all along because even the cover image 
on HBO Max for just the regular Snyder Cut was in black and white. I think they were already hinting at something about that then. Uh, so I'm looking forward to to maybe sitting through that again in a month or two. Uh, and then, oh man, gaming is where it's at. I haven't been listening to many podcasts because I haven't been running. About to get back to that. Fall Guys, new season. That game is so much fun. So frustrating, but so fun. Uh, and now there's some new squad modes that make it even more fun to play with your friends, which I do on my stream a lot. And Rocket League, my other favorite game, has the new Llama Rama event. It's a crossover with Fortnite. And even though I suck at Fortnite, I still enjoy all those graphics and the fun stuff they do with that. So I'll be playing those a lot. A lot, a lot. Cool. A lot. What a, what a strange loop we've made. I remember having to convince people to watch movies that were in black and white and and now we're choosing to take our color and strip it away um yeah so 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 strange but uh it's nice uh, because it does it it adds a different element to it and you're right it works for for some things maybe not everything but uh some stuff is really good Mm -hmm. and uh mank uh recently was all done in black and white too they which you still haven't watched which i still haven't watched i still want to watch um Yeah. yeah There was a whole the whole setup was supposed to be done um, specifically with the cameras and lighting that they used to use back in the day, so it would have that exact uh, old style to it. And so that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to watching it, and I will just haven't gotten to it yet. Well, they did it too with the first episode of Wandavision, and I saw some of the behind right? the scenes stuff on how they did that with the way they would paint the set and the lighting and everything was different. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting time. Uh the rest of the stuff, man, some real strikes and gutters week. Uh, I told, uh, <laughs> told you I watched Tron Legacy, which I enjoyed again. Tried Monster Hunter. I know you liked it. I couldn't do it. Didn't do, I walked away. Brightburn 2, walked away from that. Just wasn't enjoying really? it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like anybody. And Elizabeth Banks is in there. And if you can make me not like Elizabeth Banks, well, then pff, you've ruined so. something. We did watch The Hitcher, that old uh, 80s movie with Rutger Hauer. He's crazy. He's just psycho. <laughs> he doesn't need a motive. He's just crazy. He's just crazy. Uh, sadly, we tried watching The Ward, an old John Carpenter movie, and we're big John Carpenter fans and didn't make it very far in that either. I forgot we tried that. I already yeah, blocked it out. just wasn't good. Um, on the opposite end, The Trial of the Chicago 7 was excellent. Very good. Um, very, very good. Yeah, uh, we started the stand. She's continuing. I'm you not. The stand. Didn't didn't enjoy it. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I guess I'm just a grump. Uh, was underwhelmed with the first episode, but I will be trying uh, to continue there. And then a movie called uh, I, I'm just gonna call it Sentinel. It's a, a French movie uh, where this woman is basically has um, what's it called. Uh, PTSD? Thank you. PTSD. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she has PTSD after some horrific things she's witnessed in war, and when she comes back home, she's still a little cuckoo and uh, basically goes on a killing spree. Cool. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Um, so but it's that, in French. It is in French. But, uh, that must have been on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, of course. And uh, <laughs> no, recommended. Uh, recommend that one for sure. Anything you're watching, I'm... Well, I continued with the stand. Matt didn't like the first one for the reason that many people have said the switching all over, which I agree with him because I don't think that most people would follow that if they didn't know the story, which I do because we both read the book. Mm -hmm. I'm now on Mm. episode seven and it's not as good as the first one by any means. I don't like the characters as much, but I'm enjoying the story well enough. So I'm I'm keeping on it. Um, I I finished it. You did? Did you like it? Oh, overall. Yeah. It was watchable. Uh, it, it just, it lacked something. There was this element that wasn't there. There wasn't a character that just really, yeah. really did it for me. And the ending was, eh. Well, that's kind of, yeah, that, that's my big problem with it right now is that you don't care about the characters. The relationships aren't as good as they are in the first one. Um, in the yeah. first one, there's a lot of really close bonds that yeah. are made. And yeah. it makes you care about the characters and that's just missing. And this one doesn't have Rob Lowe in it, so it fails. Yeah, the best thing about this one is <laughs> making you want to watch the original. I slow. I got Matt back in for a half a second. I'm like, oh, um, guess who's in it? Greg Kinnear. What? Then he watched 10 minutes and was out again. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. also watched uh, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, that documentary. If anybody wants to watch that scary scene, it's really good. Um, we'll see. I watched a scary movie called Demonic, 
which sounds so lame. I picked it because it was only an hour and 20 minutes and I'm old and I wanted to wrap it up. And it was actually (laughs) really, really good. (laughs) I I don't want to give anything away. It's on Netflix. Check it out. And also um, another one that's new this year called, or new this, yeah, this year called Red Dot, also on um, Netflix. Premise sound real cool. Some people go out to Sweden and hike and camp in this like really secluded area. And some people come out and they're hunting them. Sounded really neat. It, you, you probably thought it was all about cats. Chase, no, I was going to say, you, you say Red Dot, I think of two things. And one of them is a cat playing on the carpet yeah. or the wall. Sadly, that would have been more entertaining. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like it just, it started out pretty good and then it just tried to do too much. Is there a cat network where they have like, you know. Yeah, my brain. Or I guess this is from Scrooge, huh? Where just balls of twine are, are dangled yeah. at fast movements and then there's a red dot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Oh, man. All right, cool. Uh, well, Vanessa has written her own behind the scenes segment this week. Ooh. I got, I took a stab at it. Breaking it. Go for like, it. That should have been used in the Scream episode. Why did you wait till now to say that? <laughs> the 1980s were a decade of excess, so it's no wonder we demanded nothing less of our action stars. Before the need for backstory and motivation engrossed modern cinema, our heroes were simple creatures with one focus, to kick ass. What our jacked-up stars lacked in Oscar-worthy monologues and nuanced expressions, they more than made up for in biceps, abs, and a black belt. Sometimes we were awarded with a quippy pun when the bad guy was defeated. Smack with a phone book, Arnold might say, you've been disconnected. And we all know the Chuck Norris jokes. We ate it up, and it rarely occurred to us to question how one man could take on the entire KGB and come out with nary a scratch. He's a badass, was good enough. In the 90s and 2000s, the badass became more evolved. We learned our heroes could be human, less muscles, more brains, a conscience, families, vulnerabilities. Linda Hamilton's mama bear Sarah Connor was ultimately trying to protect her son. She just also happened to save the world and be a badass. Russell Crowe's noble Maximus was avenging his slaughtered wife's son and Marcus Aurelius and fought wars and battled tigers. And Christian Bale is unforgettable in Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins with one of the most epic origin stories to ever be put on film. We fancied ourselves action movie sophisticos and flocked to see films that were more than just plot. They were character-driven, rich in theme, and directing style. These were new kinds of champions, and again, we ate it up. Still, though, maybe from nostalgia, we find ourselves drawn back again and again to the musclemen of yore, those familiar titles. An hour and a half is well spent watching a SWAT team shootout, kung fu sound effects, knife fights, and near misses. I mean, Die Hard is good every time. Predator is still amazing. And let's be honest, sometimes we just want to see shit blow up. Hollywood knows that. There's been a resurgence of these types of movies in recent years. Liam Neeson has a special set of skills in Taken, and we get to see them in all their glory. Yes. Good guy Keanu became John Wick in 2014, and I've never seen so much blood. Yes. And now we have Bob Odenkirk's Nobody announcing in the trailer, I'm going to fuck you up. Yes, yes. So I suppose we can have our cake and eat it too. There's a time and a place for depth, a time when I want to settle in and feel things. But other days, I want to turn the volume up and watch an unbridled bloodbath. I want to take that cake, stuff it with napalm, ride bareback on a chopper and yell yippee Kaye as we toss the cake bomb at Godzilla. There may be something wrong with me. <laughs> That's great. Well, well written. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about this a lot, especially when we talking about films like Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We grew up in a time where Stallone and Schwarzenegger were were it, and and yeah. I hadn't had a life before that, so I thought we would always have Stallone and Schwarzenegger, and we were lucky enough to still have them, but they're not what they once were. I mean, looking back at Schwarzenegger and this and Commando and Predator, he was a god. Yeah, like he was. Perfect, chiseled, uh, fun actor. He could deliver those fun lines too, and I still enjoy him. But I, I, I thought we'd never get that again. Now I'm really enjoying everything The Rock does. Yeah, he's kind of the because he nowadays. is that. He is totally, and I wonder will we continue to have that? Because you're right now. Now over the decades, we've had a bunch of different types of heroes. To think of Bruce Willis in the same argument as Stallone <laughs> and Schwarzenegger, I never thought would be a thing, and then you know here we are. Yes, it's, it's really interesting. I think we'll always have a variety, but I think um, it just seems like we demand to have that big bulk of a man that needs to go around and and be mm-hmm. 
not only um, intimidating, but also very likable. Like you, that is our hero. Yeah. We need to have that hero. And you're right. I think The Rock fills that mm-hmm. uh, right now, even though Schwarzenegger is still around um, and still very good, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And when The Rock gets a little bit older, we're going to have some new guy that comes in and is yep. that that same that same sort of defined statue of of our idea of a of a god on earth. And so, um, yeah, we'll always have that. But I, I like the variety of action stars. Same. You know, Me it's too. it's cool yeah. because yeah, you're right. There's some days we want a little bit more sophistication, and some days we don't want to think. We just want to watch. That exact sentence has been said in our house more than once. Let's yeah, let's watch some stuff and blow up. Yeah, yeah, we don't. <laughs> yeah. we don't say we want to watch action. We want to watch stuff blow up. I um, like that. Yeah. No, no, that's good. That's like when I want to play games, I say I want to shoot some stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't mean yeah. it in real life. I want to get into the games and I want to want to pop some skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I want to solve little puzzles and stuff and go on an adventure. And sometimes I just want to kill things. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Speaking of killing things, that happens a lot in The Running Man. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) what a segue. (laughs) That is uh, the movie we're discussing today. Thank you. In a dystopian America, a falsely convicted policeman gets his shot at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts runners must battle killers for their freedom. His stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, Jesse Ventura... I'm not... Maria Cantita Olazzo. Yeah, that's what you're about. <laughs> Jesse Ventura, Jim Brown, Marvin J. McIntyre, Professor Toru Tanaka, Richard Dawson, and this episode's actor spotlight is Yafet Kato. You'll know him from Homicide, Life on the Street, was on there for six years, 93 to 99. He was also in Midnight Run, Tripwire, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Live and Let Die, and he was Parker in Alien from 1979. Uh, and I love him in that role. Mm-hmm. He's he's always that mm-hmm. for me. His father was a Cameroonian immigrant of royal ancestry. His great-grandfather had been a king in pre-colonial days. He was on a Paramount shortlist for the coveted role of Jean-Luc Picard in what? Star Trek The Next Generation. Spurned the role for fear of being typecast. Silly man. For the same reason... If you get this, Kato also turned down the part of Lando Calrissian in the Star Wars franchise. What? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so that answers our question of who would have been a sci-fi god. Yafit Kato. He would have been an alien, Star Wars, and Star Trek. The the yeah. biggest sci-fi franchises ever. Um, yeah, sadly, he died very recently, March 15th. Yeah. Uh, you probably what? saw... Saw that news. Yeah. I didn't. You did. Oh no. Yeah. Just just died. Um, and so we won't be getting anything else from him, sadly. But definitely go see him in Alien. Um I never did watch Homicide, but I'm sure it's great. Homicide was good. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. I remember him from Live and Let Die. Um, and I'm sure I saw him in Freddy's Dead, but I don't remember that one. It, I saw it maybe twice. <laughs> uh, Same. Yeah. So Running Man was directed by Paul Michael Glazer, who directed Kazam. Don't worry, there's more. The Air Up There, a slight improvement. The Cutting Edge, which I remember being pretty charming. And then some random television. Uh, People may know him more as an actor, however. Recently, he was on Ray Donovan, but most notably, he he played Detective Dave Starsky on Starsky and Hutch from the late 70s. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Ah. Uh, This... A movie was based on the novel by Stephen King under the name Richard Bachman, uh, which Vanessa and I actually managed to read the whole thing did it. Uh, prior to recording this episode and writing our pitch. The screenplay is by Stephen E. D'Souza, who wrote quite a few things that you'll uh, recognize. 48 Hours, Another 48 Hours, Commando, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Die Hard, what? Hudson Hawk, Big Die Hard 2, Ricochet, the Flintstones, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Judge Dredd. 
Dang. Wow. Yeah. Everything in there but the Flintstones. Fantastic. Well, the Flintstones was fun. Yeah, I don't remember liking that. But yeah, everything else I really enjoyed. Everything in there but Hudson Hawk. No, you hush your mouth. Oh, don't don't, don't do that to Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk was dumb. (laughs) Oh, no. Might be the dumbest movie ever made. It's playful. (laughs) You have to understand the tone. Uh, Running Man was from 1987. (laughs) The top three in that box office. That year with Three Men and a Baby, Fatal Attraction, and Beverly Hills Cop 2. We also covered that year in our Motu episode, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The Running Man made $38 million on a $27 million budget, so not a huge uh, uh, profit there. It's not a flop. Not a flop either, uh, but at 64%, it's kind of just above that mark where enough people enjoy it, but not. Uh, it's not a huge huge success um it's three and a half stars for me do you guys said i was about the same about the same three and a half three and a half is fair but for nostalgia purposes it's probably higher because i will watch it again and again i have (laughs) yeah like i think say what do you have I was going to say, if you'd asked me this before I watched it, I would have rated it much lower. Mm-hmm. It was way better than I remember. I'm going to give it four stars. Right. Yeah. I'm I, okay with that. And yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm good with I, I think it, it very much fits a particular desire when you want to watch some action and some of those one-liners, which, my God, the, this is... <laughs> Here is Sub-Zero. Now, Plane Zero. How about the light? What a hothead. Bastard. Drop dead. I don't do requests. The most one-liner film. I didn't. We went to count. And we lost count. We lost uh, count. It's got to be in the twenties of him just and for mo- the same kill. He said like two or three things. He just. Yep. He just kept. I think it was meant to be. Well, we'll just pick one. But then they just let them all in. None of them were that great, though. <laughs> None of them were really None good. None of them were really like zingers. Oh yeah. Just plain zero. Yeah. No. Some bad ones, but <laughs> but bad in an entertaining way. And overall, yeah, the the action was still fun, and just the movie overall um, was a good time. And I I think there is a there's a bit more to it than just an action film. I felt like it actually had uh, a good story, and and characters came yeah. together and stuff. Um, for me, I uh, I didn't really pay attention too much until this go around, but it feels very much like the same world of RoboCop. Like I could see this being, yeah, in the same universe, um, and I, I really, the, my favorite thing about it was that it, uh, it took its time, like in pacing, building up to the games, and it, yeah. it really made a point of involving showing us the audience, like inside the studio and out, and like the betting arenas and stuff Bandages. like that. Hold it, hold it, Agnes. <laughs> Richards is a runner. You've got to pick a stalker. I can pick anyone I choose. And I choose Ben Richards. That boy's one mean motherfucker. And that, to me, like made it a fuller world, uh, where if they yeah. only ever highlighted on him and inside in the fighting, we wouldn't have understood that universe quite as much. So I think they did a good and job they kept- there. They kept hammering in on the conversation about ratings, how ratings were so important. Right. That, that really helped, too. You're right. It made it global. Which, that's the only part. It really, uh, trying to think of this, like, it, it just seemed like it was the only program on television. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned about ratings at that point? Because what other options? I didn't see any of those big screens with the cooking network. <laughs> on them you know so that was in a niche area of town the cooking district that was in yeah. the, the fancier areas of yeah. town five to one that that cake doesn't rise showing hgtv they're gonna pick number three mobs of people out there <laughs> sell it sell it flip it flip it exactly uh all right so hopefully um you had a chance to check it out if you haven't go watch it it's it's a it's a good you know, and we'll watch it again. We've yeah, watched sure. it a few times. Um, I've seen it at least twenty times. It has rewatchability. If you haven't checked it out, uh, go check it out. It's it is a lot of fun. Um, do we have 
a keyword. Yeah, actually, I want to I want to interject two things here real quick. One, we did not uh, focus on a review this week because for the like the fourth week in a row, we have no new reviews. Guys, we need those reviews. Go over to Thank Apple you. Podcasts and leave one. It's super simple. You can do it from your phone. Just find the podcast, scroll down. In fact, if we get any between now and our next podcast, going to pick one or more random names to send one of our very exclusive movie retake stickers, either the Goonies or Masters of the Universe. There's only going to be about 50 of each. What a quick way, easy way to get one. Just go leave a review. Five stars. Put a few sentences, a few words in there. Put your name on it. Boom, bam, bum. Done. Easy. Uh, but we're also going to have another upcoming giveaway. We don't know what yet, but I have some ideas. Uh, and you'll need this super secret keyword for that next giveaway. Jot this down, because uh, otherwise you'll have to come back and listen to this again. Never mind. Don't jot this down. Come back and listen to the podcast again later <laughs> to get it. The keyword is fireball, as in one of the characters from the movie, fireball, all one word. Good one. His hair is cool. Yeah. Yes. yes. Why don't you wear your hair like that? I, if I had more, your beard's kind of doing that. <laughs> I could do my beard hair like that. Yeah, yeah. almost is. I've got the fireball got beard. The fireball beard, right? If I just go upside down, upside down <laughs> just, face. Look, who am I? <laughs> Where's rotate camera? Is that fireball? <laughs> I think it was. Oh no, it was me. Upside down. <laughs> All right. Uh, out. <laughs> now it's time for our pitches. Uh, this is the uh, your favorite part. Actually, I don't know. What is your favorite part? You like the trivia. This is my favorite part. It is. Yeah. It's the my trivia is fun, well. but this this is the part. I say this every time, and I'll, I'll say it again now since you're setting it up. Uh, this is what sets us apart from all those other podcasts. I don't I don't know anybody else that's doing this, and this was the part that really sold my brother and on it when we were coming up with the idea uh, and excited to have Vanessa on with her pitch. Uh, uh, did y'all do a joint pitch or separate pitches this week? We, we did a joint pitch. Yeah, because we read the a book joint together. Okay. And then, uh, well, we'll, we'll get into give that. it away. Okay. But I love hearing this part. We, we Not only do we break down the movie, the original movie or movies in the series or the or the uh, the franchise, but then we give these pitches of our own original ideas. I can't say that enough. Our own original ideas, giving it a title, a director, the stars, the synopsis, everything. Uh, so one day if they make this movie, we've got proof and we can sue the hell out of them for our cut. <laughs> Or maybe somebody oh, will come along, one. listen to it, and go, you know what? Let's bring those Sully brothers and Vanessa on, and let's let's have them help us with this film so we can get writing credits and a fat check off of a future film. I'm looking forward to that day. It's going to happen anytime. Mm-hmm. I think so a I'm going credit. Yeah, well. That would be great, too. Then, no, then we need money. I'm not giving anybody any money. They need to pay us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's my goal for the podcast, actually, is I want us to eventually have a story by credit, if not end up writing the whole screenplay. But somebody needs to come in and be like, find one of our pitches and be like, you know what, this is good, and we yeah. need to make a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they do and be like, uh, you know, here's five bucks. I don't know how much people get get for a story by. <laughs> five Canadian bucks. Yeah. Here's, here's a toonie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you're first. Are you first? I'm up first this time. Right. So I want to preface my my retake this week with a little something. Uh, I did this in the past. I want to do it again. Uh, this movie, Running Man, was way better than I remember. In fact, the more I wanted to write this, the more I thought, that movie is actually so good, I don't want to tinker with it too much. I want a reboot. I want to leave a lot of what was there there. Structurally, very good film. The only things it was lacking was their vision of the future, Eh, didn't come quite so true, and and we've already passed the dates mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. and it was nothing like that, right? I mean, maybe a little like that, but not mostly like that. The technology guesses, pretty far off. Eh, they got some stuff, but most of it they didn't really. Uh, and and it was it was trying to be funny, but wasn't funny. Like, there were moments, but really they didn't do it like MCU does now. I think the MCU does great with their balance of action and humor, so I want a little bit more of that. So what I did was go back and recast the film for today and just make some slight tweaks. So it's going to be fairly identical to the first one, except for a couple things, and I'll share that with you. Uh, First off, we're keeping the title. The Running Man is just, it's perfect. I don't want to mess with it. Uh, Director, I want to take this thing to the future. I thought about who directed Minority Report, but that's that's too big. Steven Spielberg, too big for this. Uh, so I went, one of my other favorite sci-fi films, Edge of Tomorrow. I mm-hmm. want Doug Lyman to direct this. Mm-hmm. 
Love that movie. Can't wait for the sequel. I think that's so fun. And then casting. This is going to be a big budget film. We're going real big with this. So my leading role of Ben Richards will be portrayed by Will Smith. I like him in action films. It's time for him to be in another July 4th winner. Uh, for William Laughlin, I'm going Garrett Dillahunt. If you don't know who Garrett Dillahunt is, he was uh, most recently on Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, and he's been in, he was in uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, he's been in several other things. You'll recognize him. You just don't know him by name. He's a great actor. I want him in this. I want big, brooding, quiet. And that's what Garrett Dillahunt will bring to the screen. For Harold Weiss, I'm going with a with a good nerd look and somebody I love, and I just mentioned, Alan Tudyk. Hmm. I want Alan Tudyk in this. Yeah. I think he'll be great. I love him he's in everything. Good in everything. Yeah. Rosario Dawson as Amber Mendez. Uh, Carl Urban as Damon Killian. I want to see Carl Urban's big flamboyant self <laughs> up as a game show host. I think he'd be great at this. Uh, I'm going to go with Dave Bautista as Buzzsaw. And then I want the rest of the killers filled in with WWE superstars. Nice. I want you to bring in these big, giant, jacked, chiseled dudes to be the killers because that's what they need to be. And those and the WWE's full of them. And there's some WWE cash to be put into this film, I bet. They'd produce. Uh, the setting will be in the future again. This time we're going to 2037. I'm going to go out a little farther. Uh, and here is my pitch. Almost identical to the original film, we open on a close-up of police helicopter pilot Ben Richards, played by Will Smith. He's given a direct order to fire on a group of civilians during a food riot and refuses. He's detained and eventually framed for the massacre of these civilians through some fancy editing of the live body cam footage from the event. We catch up with Ben Richards and his friends in prison several years later. William Laughlin... Garrett Dillhunt, and Harold Weiss, Alan Tudyk, are part of a resistance group looking to take down the government by hacking into the ICS broadcast, but their previous attempts landed them in prison. The three find themselves working alongside one another in the mines off-planet when a fight breaks out between several inmates. They had been waiting for just such an opportunity. Richards and Laughlin use their size and former military training to quickly overtake one of the guard booths where Weiss is able to hack into the computer systems running the work camp and reprogram the implants within the prisoners that keep them hostage. These implants would normally detonate when a prisoner breached one of the electronic fences surrounding the fields, instantly killing them, but with Weiss's hack, they could all safely run without fear of that happening. The three flee but are almost immediately separated outside of the work camp. Ben Richards makes his way to the employee housing located several miles from the work camp and breaks into the first unit he can find. It turns out to belong to Amber Mendez, played by Rosario Dawson. He holds her hostage and promises not to harm her if she will help him get back to Earth using her travel privileges. She has seen the news footage of Richards and the massacre, and even though he states he has been framed, she doesn't believe him and fears what he'll do. So she helps him and looks for her opportunity to escape. At the space transport, basically a futuristic airport, Mendez takes her opportunity to out Richards at the security check, and he is taken into custody once again. But this time, it is under the direction of ICS, who runs the popular Running Man TV show, where convicted criminal runners must escape death at the hands of professional killers. Just like in the original film, Richards is coerced into participating in the show, bribed with his freedom if he survives. The advertising for his upcoming episode brings to air or begins to air almost immediately and catches the eye of Mendez. Mendez sees that Richards is portrayed incorrectly in the media. They state that he killed several and injured more during his attempt to return to Earth and does a bit of investigation of her own. As it turns out, her brother actually works for ICS and she uses his credentials to log into their secure servers where she finds the original unedited footage of the Bakersfield massacre. She downloads the clip and sets off for Earth to help Richards. Richard's episode of The Running Man starts, and he finds himself playing alongside his friends Laughlin and Weiss. Showrunner Killian, played by Carl Urban, had tracked them down for the show and the big ratings boost. The three go into The Running Man course, and the show begins. Watched by a live studio audience and billions of people around the world, they fight for their lives against the killers. These professional athletes turned primetime murderers have slaughtered hundreds of contestants before, and there's no indication that this episode will be any different. That is, until Richards and his friends begin to battle and win against the killers, played by Dave Bautista and a host of other WWE stars playing characters like Dynamo, Captain Freedom, Fireball, Buzzsaw, and more. As the show goes on, Killian is under pressure from the government. 
I'm sorry. As the show goes on, Killian is under pressure from the government to pull the plug, but the ratings boost and potential profits are too much for him to shut down. While all this is going on, Mendez is caught leaving the housing complex near the prison camp where Richards and team escaped. Her download of that original footage triggered multiple alarms and ICS abducted her before she could make it to the authorities. As a punishment, they frame her for assisting Richards in his escape and toss her into the same running man show alongside Richards, Laughlin, and Weiss. The team works together to fight the killers, and as they work their way from one level to another, they realize they can't follow the rules of engagement forever. They've got to get out of this loop at some point. At the beginning of level five, Richards avoids the killers completely while the rest of the team fights. He uses the opportunity to search the level for exits and finds a way off camera and into one of the media control rooms hidden behind a false wall on the set. Thinking that will simply be a way for them to possibly exit, he returns to the group to show them what he's found. Unfortunately, he arrives seconds too late. Laughlin is injured horribly by one of the killers and dies before Richards can get to him. Richards overtakes the killer and is able to guide Weiss and Mendez to the control room. Between Weiss and Mendez, who had managed to smuggle a copy of that video out with her, maybe stored in some sort of futuristic memory storage within her body, they are able to upload the video and broadcast it publicly across the web. This causes an immediate panic within the audience, who riots and overtakes the show. Even the ICS employees on hand turn against the company. Richards, Weiss, and Mendez use this opportunity to escape down to the first floor and main stage. During their exit, they come across Killian and his armed guards. An epic battle goes down, and at several points, some very large, very pointy beams and boards nearly kill Weiss by impaling him through the chest. But in every instance, he narrowly escapes. This is a nod to Firefly. He never got stabbed through the chest. Richards eventually overpowers Killian, all on camera. Instead of killing him, though, Richards decides to turn him over to the authorities. After all, it was never his intention to kill anyone. He only did it out of self-defense before. Killian is exposed and convicted for crimes committed in the production of the show. Richards, Weiss, and Mendez are pardoned and freed. But as we all know, the show must go on. At ICS headquarters, we focus in on a boardroom meeting. A discussion slash argument about the future of the show is underway, and the main topic seems to be, who will take over the show? The camera zooms in on the chair at the head of the table. Turn so we can only see the back. A puff of smoke, clearly from a cigar, rises over the chair back, and the chair turns to reveal Arnold Schwarzenegger. Someone shouts, what are we going to do? As president of this company, you have to make a decision. Schwarzenegger says, well, I can think of only one man for the job. I guess I'm back. Mm -hmm. He said it. He said it. He said the thing. Yeah. He loves (laughs) saying that. And the deal with the thing is the stuff. I bet he leaves the room a lot just so that he can come back into the room and be like, I'm back. As, as he leaves, he just, just kind of leaves through back. the door. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be back. Yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. These kids are so. So yeah, I just yeah. I changed like, a few yeah, things. I, I, I thought it was too convenient that Maria Conchita Alonza just happened to work for the same company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I changed that up a little bit. I thought uh, their their collars needed to be updated, so we went with the implants. I liked that part. A uh, few, yeah. Uh, yeah, I took that from other films. Totally stole it. Um, it seems to be a common thing. And uh, and then I wanted to change it up a little bit in uh, in how they got out of it. I thought it was mm-hmm. just a little too convenient. They happened to be going after some satellite dishes that happened to be within their where they were playing the games. So yeah. instead, we hacked the yeah, internet. It's a bad and, uh, design. So I, th- I thought it kind of filled in a couple of the holes that I found when I watched the first film there. I think it's kind of funny you used Rosario because I, I we chose, talked, about, we using talked about using her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look she's up hot good. Hispanic women, and well, yeah. uh, she's a go-to. Yeah. Oh, we looked up. I were trying to find somebody that looks smart, mm. and that it would be a badass, yeah. but not overly just drop dead gorgeous. Right. She's such a unique look. She's yeah. yeah, she's a good. Yeah, she's good. She, she can. I mean, she's still beautiful, but oh, like beautiful. You, you can downplay her a little bit. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I thought of uh, Sofia Vergara, or, mm. or there's a couple others, and I'm like, no, they're they're beautiful for sure. <laughs> But these aren't on-screen personalities we're talking about. These are real <laughs> women. You're right, yeah. yeah. No, I, I liked it. I like the ending. Nothing wrong with that Thank story you. at all. Okay. Yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't hack it into something new, and I felt like a prequel or sequel was just not going to do it justice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we sort of felt that way too. But what we decided to do, I had always read that um, Stephen King didn't like that movie. He hates it. Crazy. And I never understood why. Matt and I have both read a lot of Stephen King books and 
for whatever reason, neither of us had ever read this one. So mm. I always assumed that it was because it didn't follow that story. So we decided to read it thinking it was going to be a short story. No, it's a novel. <laughs> so we read it together over the last week. And it's actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, good. really good. Old Stephen King is so good. So anyway. Is it vastly different than the movie? Completely yeah. different. Yeah. Completely oh, okay. different. Okay. Now I want to read it. So, well, you're about to. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so our uh, version is based on that story. We decided to go more purist, I guess, and mm -hmm. keep it really close to the story he tells there. Um, we are calling it The 99%. Um, casting for Ben Richards, we picked Adam Driver, because in the book he's meant to be, what, tall and thin, yeah, but strong and smart. Yeah, but That's not a, not a, perfect. like, yeah. not a big beefy dude. Not a big he's beefy just dude, just a dude. But a dude. <laughs> um, his wife is Sheila Richards, and we picked Nicole Sakura. You know her as Cheyenne from Superstore? Oh, yes. We thought she'd be a lot of fun. Um, Killian, we chose Lance Reddick. You would know him as oh, the, the concierge, concierge from John Wick. From yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Very key he's role. He's in Fringe. Yeah. Very key hmm. role. Um, we picked, um, Shailene Woodley to pay, play a character, Amelia Williams. Um, the head, what is he? Hunter. Yeah. Is named McCone. We picked Jeremy Renner. Ooh. And then um, somebody that helps him, a guy named Paracus in, in the story, is going to be played by Hunter Schaefer. And I, Hunter Schaefer is from um, Euphoria. Yeah. So in oh, okay. The, yeah. We changed it. We changed it. Small modifications. Small yeah. modifications. Yeah. He's he's like a... Is he even middle-aged? I think he's kind of young. I don't know. Paracus? Yeah. He was young. He was younger. Yeah. And overweight. and um, But we, we changed that to like a younger... Girl. Uh, yeah woman i don't yeah. know how old she is i don't yeah. either anyway. <laughs> we changed it up a little bit but also going to be a big budget film <laughs> mm -hmm. for our director we chose james mangold he did copland oh. girl interrupted identity walk the line and what we chose him for mainly was he did wolverine and logan which is kind of the same feel logan. um and mm -hmm. ford versus ferrari yep so. oh good movie mm -hmm. oh ford versus ferrari we'll get into that later yeah <laughs> uh all right Picture the scrolling. Yeah. At the beginning. <laughs> yeah, this is the <laughs> opening <laughs> text. And go. Future America. The class division has widened as population increases. Poverty, famine, disease, unemployment, and crime are at all-time highs. The well-to-do 1%, as always, look down on the lower class as a burden on their fragile society, blamed for the hell they were born into. With a struggle to find work and little access to health care, the 99% are left with one option to stay afloat, the games. Whether they compete in dangerous contests for money or play as audience participants, the games are as pervasive as the crowded city's polluted air. There's one game no one wants to play, a deadly rigged lottery no citizen can win, but with a prize too coveted to resist. In The Running Man, you are hunted. America is the playing arena, every citizen the eyes and ears for the hunters, specialized assassins sent to kill the players. Every hour you survive means money for your, your family. Survive for 30 days and you are moved to the upper echelon of society, mansion for a home, limitless funds, everything your heart desires. The longest run to date? Eight days. Oh. Ben Richards, tall, modest build in his early 30s, is working his way through his neighborhood, littered with trash and people, Echoes of raspy coughs and haggling at makeshift marketplaces, Richards questions every black market and drug dealer he can find, all on a first-name basis, searching for medicine for his sick daughter. He's a charming smartass who people seem to respect even if they don't like him, but his mission is a bust. Richards returns home to his wife empty-handed. He says what was available they couldn't afford. They talk options, which turns to fighting, arguing over her plan of prostitution and his decision to burn bridges with his last employer. In the background... The games are playing on the television, their daughter watching a man stick his hand in darkened holes in a game called The Wall of Mystery. The announcer emphasizes that some holes contain cash, others contain not cash. Right after the contestant screams, a jingle alerts both husband and wife to look at the screen. A lottery of names is announced, each name receiving $100 and one free hospital visit. The husband <laughs> and wife eagerly watch, but no one in the Richards family is called. Their young girl begins a fit of coughing. Ben says it's time he got in line for the games. 
In the shadow of Games Tower, a skyscraper walled in giant screens televising the games, crowds gather, many in line for entry. The crowd watches clips from the most recent episode of The Running Man, highlighting winning spotters, members of the public that successfully identified contestants in the wild. The ones which directly led to a hunter's kill cheered for the cameras with their cash bonuses. Commentators talk about gangs that have formed in most cities which have taken to hunting contestants despite it being against game rules. Nevertheless, it's suspected many attack contestants then report them to get a spotter reward. A little after mid-morning, a new wave of people join the lines. Day laborers and rejects from the employment offices, they say there isn't a job left in the city. A friend of Richard's is in line. He says they're turning away more people for the games these days, but payouts are better, and prior contestants can reapply even sooner. I played just last week and got $200. They even covered my medical expenses, he says, waving a bandaged stump where his hand used to be. <laughs> the line is moving slowly. Everyone is on their comms devices, similar to a mobile phone issued by the city as an ID slash tracker slash video device used by everyone for the Running Man games. Richards uses his periodically to check in with his wife, then eventually makes it inside the tower. We watch Richards go through rigorous testing, physical and mental. He's shown to be smart, smarter than those giving the tests, and his sense of humor goes unappreciated. He moves up the building floor by floor, more tests, more questions. The waiting rooms get smaller and smaller, a mass of men and women dwindle down to just a few. He and the others, Laughlin and Jansky, figure out what they were in for before they were told. They ran a they talk about the big games of the past, how one guy lasted five days but was disqualified because he ran to the hills and couldn't get a comm signal. No comms, no proof of life, no money. They agree the average survival is four days. The contestant that made it to eight was outstanding, pissed off the hunters so much they sent in the lead hunter McCone. Some say the guy was so afraid of McCone he killed himself. Others say McCone talked him into doing it. They're on a high level of Games Tower now, looking out over the city. Everything here is swankier, the pumped-in air is cleaner, the staff is even more attractive. Laughlin and Jansky are each called away. They go into a huge office and come out with women on their arms and smiles on their faces. Finally, Richards is taken to the grand posh office. It's Killian's office, director of the games. Killian is cool, condescending without being insulting. He explains to Richards that he's been selected for the greatest game of all, the running man. Killian reviews the details. America is free reign, 48-hour head start, $500 every hour you survive. Kill a hunter, it's another 500. Keep your comms device with you at all times, but you can't contact anyone except Games Tower and send two daily video confirmations you're alive. Killian assures Richards they don't use the comms device to track him. It's not sportsmanlike. He asks Richards if he wants anything, anything at all, before the game begins. Women, food, etc. Richards asks for bourbon and books, and that the money from his 48-hour head start be sent to his wife for their sick daughter. Killian seems to break character, relaxing his rigid royal demeanor, he says he personally chose Richards, that he likes him. He likes his smart mouth and his no-bullshit attitude. He thinks it'll make for good television. He hopes he'll last a while and gives him some advice to do so. Stick to your own people. We get a montage of the three contestants saying goodbyes to their families over comms and celebrating their final days, talking only briefly about strategy. Richards says they shouldn't stay anywhere long, always be on the watch, and get a weapon just in case. The others don't want to think about what's coming, but soon enough it's time. The men suit up, there's introductions to the crowds, Richards gives the world the finger, and the games begin. Laughlin, Jansky, and Richards are running men. Richards puts together a disguise and gets a black market comms device from his old friends, allowing him to travel and get a hotel far from Games Tower. When the 48-hour safety window runs out, he hides in a shanty town in the poorest part of town, his people. His people. A spotter gang sets fire to his hideout, and Richards escapes among the homeless. He emerges from a sewer to find a kid willing to help him for a few dollars. Richards hides in the trunk of the kid's car and gets driven through several checkpoints across state lines. He gets word that Jansky's dead. He meets with a friend of the kid's, Paracas. She can take out the tracking component of his comms device just in case Killian decides not to honor his gentleman's agreement, but her mother knows who Richards is and calls the police. Richards and Paracas are in a car chase with the police and hunters and spotter gangs, and in their final escape, Paracas dies and Richards is broken. He hobbles out of the city and through a forest to meet up with an upper-class woman, Amelia Williams, out for a drive. He holds her hostage. Along the way, the news reports that Laughlin was caught and killed. Blowing through checkpoints and getting into shootouts with police and hunters, Richards and Williams escape again and again. The public, once set against the running men, are now rooting for Richards. He survives seven days when they reach another airport, surrounded by every manner of authority and, cheering, and a cheering crowd. McCone is there, too. 
He's not big like Richards imagined, but he's intimidating nonetheless, and he's had enough of this running man. Pretending to have an IED, a lie supported by Williams, who has begun to feel sympathy for Richards, they are allowed onto a jet, but McCone goes with them. The plane takes off, McCone all the while talking to Richards, getting in his head, trying to get him to admit there is no bomb. Hours into the air, moving low over populated cities, Killian calls Richards to congratulate them. He's beaten the running man record, and he wants to offer him a job. They'll still have to show the public Richards was caught and killed, but Killian wants Richards to work on the games with him. Sadly, Killian tells Richards that his wife and daughter were killed by a spotter gang hoping to get information on his whereabouts. Richards is devastated, not sure if Killian's telling the truth, but he accepts the man's offer. McCone is furious. The plane is routed back to Richards' home city and gaming headquarters, Games Tower. In the city, riots are forming, the 99% turning on the authorities and tearing through the neighborhoods of the 1%. High above, unaware of the chaos below, Richards kills the pilot and straps Williams with a parachute, kicking her off the plane. In a final shootout, Richards kills McCone, but is mortally wounded. As, he, as a panicked air control tower calls asking what's happened, Richards, slowly dying, takes control of the plane and flies it directly at Game's tower. Killian looks up from his grand desk in his posh office to see Richards' face from the cockpit. He's smiling, his middle finger held high. Game over. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dang, kamikaze! Yeah, I love the end of that. That is the end of the st- of the novel too. He's flying the plane. He's like he's he looks up long enough just to see him flipping him off. Yeah, I love that. I love you, the you, end. you can see it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, I had to speed through some of the some of the stuff there just for for time. But I mean, that's pretty that's pretty, much the book. pretty loyal to the, yeah. to the book. And yeah, it's oh, that's cool. It's really entertaining. It, yeah, I love the idea that they're not in an arena. Like he can travel Same. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's even scarier with the technology now because everybody could be able to spot you at any time right. and immediately yeah. report where you are, rather than what would have been kind of delayed uh, before. Like in the book, he has to film himself and then mail in the the tapes yeah. uh, so there's a bit of a built-in delay i really like the idea too that um um i lost my train of thought keep talking i like that idea too <laughs> i i like it because it kind of reminds me of ready player one a little bit in that the mm. entire world is engaged in this and can participate in some way yeah whether or not they're the main or they can really uh, get the main prize they can they can feel they're a part of it and that's society everybody wants to feel like they're a part of something big like that yeah so i feel like that's... it's very relevant yeah um yeah and i think so too i'm and well and that leads us over into well the point i wait the point i was going to make is that i really like that he, they choose to participate in this rather than in the movie they're forced to it's almost forced. like a punishment right like yeah an extension of their prison right. sentence yeah. here well they don't want to but it's like a real opportunity even though he doesn't want to do it i think that's really interesting yeah they talk about that a lot something like this existed tomorrow there'd be people in lines Mm -hmm. out the door to participate absolutely it would be real yeah yeah they're they're, i mean they already line up to play that wipeout game and that thing looks like it's fear factor fear factor i wouldn't do fear factor but i would do wipeout in a heartbeat (laughs) what's that one we used to watch where it's the japanese game show oh yeah the dubbed it's extreme oh. something challenge. Yeah. They oh used to play God. at bars all the time. so funny. <laughs> that was hilarious. It is. I would be on that show. Uh, but yeah, people look like they got really hurt <laughs> off that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen people on Wipeout, but I'm pretty sure it went off on a stretcher. Well, some dude died on Wipeout. Did he? Yeah, he had what? a heart attack. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. It was bound to happen okay. at some point. No, he was like yeah. 24 or something. Mm. Oh, oh, I, Maybe not okay. Young, but he had a heart condition. Dang. And he didn't tell them or something. Jeez. Mm, <laughs> Anyway. Well, this episode is dedicated to that young fellow. Yeah. That leads us over <laughs> into the retake is happening for The Running Man. It at least is announced. Um, and it's going to be directed by Edgar Wright, who, if you joined us for the latest um, episode of the podcast on the live nights, we did a trivia for Edgar Wright. Uh, he is the director of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, The World's End, and Baby Driver. Uh, he's also writing on this, which he wrote all of those movies, and uh, contributed to the Ant-Man uh, screenplay. We talked about that a little bit as well. Also writing this is Michael Bacall, who worked on 
21 and 22 Jump Street, Project X, and wrote for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So there's some uh, good stuff in there. There's a lot of potential. Uh, it's going to be humor for sure based on all that. A lot of humor. Yeah. And I feel like um, his character's supposed to be pretty funny, like in a smart ass sort oh, of yeah. way. So I think there is room like for that. Like a dry that. kind of humor. I don't know. I, he says um, he's going to be more faithful to the novel. But I mean, at the same time, it's Edgar Wright, like his fast cut sort of things where I don't know yeah. if that's exactly how I imagined the i wonder if it'll be british mm, i don't know great question yeah it may oh, not happen yeah. in, in america like we always just assume everything yeah. will but yeah it could happen yeah. over in england um yeah and uh he said edgar wright said that given the choice of remaking any movie the running man would be that move uh really yeah too soon for casting or a release date but i'm already looking forward to this one Me as too. i'm looking forward to Dude. anything that edgar for wright sure. will put out so I'm pretty excited. Um, I yeah. think Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver are perfect examples of what kind of movie this would be. Because those are both really funny, but they have real... Well, not like real... Well, Shaun of the Dead super funny, but they both have that drama that I'm looking for. Develop characters and like, you know, kind yeah. of that dry thing. Yeah, and then when like in... Well, in a lot of these, he, he does action well. Yeah, he does. Like right. he makes it exciting. Yeah. Those, those car uh, chase scenes with Baby Driver are amazing. And Scott Pilgrim. And Scott Jesus, Pilgrim, the action yeah, there is so really much. good. Yeah. 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 21 Jump Street almost made me pee myself. <laughs> the, the oh, cut. those movies are so funny. 22 sure was okay. 21, though, almost killed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. I still, uh, I lose my breath at points mm-hmm. during that movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, overall, yeah. I mean, I I still really like mm-hmm. the original. Um, yeah. But I I look forward to seeing Edgar Wright's take on this. And if it is like the novel, we both enjoy the novel so much that I just, I think it's going to be great. Me too. Um, but let's do some trivia. Oh, I like this part. And we'll too. do uh, a round robin. You want to start with the first sure. one? Sure. When Rob Cohen purchased the rights to Richard Bachman's novel, The Running Man, he had no idea that Bachman was actually a pseudonym for Stephen King. Went Southern there for a minute. Did I? (laughs) Stephen King. Uh, Stephen. (laughs) Game show. Now I'm doing it. Game show host Damon (laughs) Killian is played by Richard Dawson, longtime host of the American television game show Family Feud. Many people who worked with Dawson say that in real life, Dawson was much like his character, Damon Killian, in his handling of underlings. Oof. Not nice. Not a good review. Y'all did this to me on purpose. Erland Van Litt, (laughs) Dynamo, was a classically trained Helden baritone opera singer. So in his introduction, when Dynamo is singing an aria from The Marriage of Figaro, it actually is Van Litt singing. Wow, that's crazy. Sing it. No. The film inspired TV's American Gladiators, as well as the plot and setting settings of the Williams arcade game Smash TV. I remember that game. God, same. Uh, the footage of the attacking helicopters is from King Kong from 1976. <laughs> that's cool. No I love to... when they reuse stuff. Me too. Uh, I, I want to make a movie that's just from old footage from other movies. Do it. That would be so good. See, people could spot them all. <laughs> like, this is a big budget movie. Yeah, it cost me zero dollars. Neat. Nah. Although credited as simply Sub-Zero, the character is introduced as Professor Sub-Zero by announcer Phil Hilton. Professor Sub-Zero is played by Professor Toru Tanaka. It is worth noting that Tanaka's professor title is not from a postdoctorate his academic rank, but rather the wrestling name the actor went under in his WWF career from the 1960s through the 1980s, sometimes shortened to Professor Tanaka. I know when I was watching the opening credits, I'm like, there's a pro- yeah. who goes with Professor at the beginning of their name? This is weird. <laughs> so his character's Professor, his acting name is Professor, and yet he is not a professor. I bet he's that guy that if you called him like Mr. Tanaka, it's Professor. It's Professor. <laughs> you know? Not doctor, it's professor. He professes to be. (laughs) The announcer, Phil Hilton, is voiced by Squidward Tentacles voice actor Roger Bumpus. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's cool. Too good. 
Uh, originally scheduled for a July 1987 release, it was moved back four months by TriStar to avoid competition with Arnold's other summer film, Predator, which was released in June. Dang. It's a big year You're for telling Arnold. me Predator he did a couple could have come out in one month and Running Man the next month. That's insane. Uh, Paula Abdul was the film's choreographer. Many of the dancers were friends of hers from the Laker Girls. Nuts. She's forever actually, my girl. She is. I actually, I remember watching this, like, I wanted to be a running man dancer. Yeah. <laughs> They're super <laughs> cool. And I actually do watch it now. I recognize some of those dancers from other choreographed movies. That's I know funny. you guys probably don't catch it. <laughs> well, Dang. and you could tell the era from yeah. the dancing style because she was choreographed, like, so many yeah. things she of that era. she was the 80s. In the early 90s. Yeah, um, she's good. The character, Mick, the leader of the underground, is played by drummer Meek, Mick Fleetwood of the supergroup Fleetwood Mac. His compatriot in the movie, a character named Stevie, was played by Dweezil Zappa, is an obvious homage to Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac. I think I read that. That's right. Nice. Dweezil. Dweezil. <laughs> <laughs> it's hinted that Mick Fleetwood plays himself in the movie. In the film, the resistance leader's name is Mick, and he's British, and when Mick meets Richards to remove his explosive collar from around his neck, he says to him, you're one of the cops who locked up all my friends. Burn my songs. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> Four actors from the Predator film franchise appeared in this film. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse the Body Ventura, and Sven Ole Thorson all appear in the original feature film Predator, 1987, while Maria Conchita Alonso also appears in the sequel uh, for Predator 2, 1990. I like Predator too. It's it's once. so different and it is fun. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's good. Um, yeah, you're up. Oh, prior to Paul Michael Glazer being hired as director, executive producer Rob Cohen had fired four other directors in his attempts to make the movie. One of the directors, Andrew Davis, actually got the project off the ground and into production, but only eight days into the shoot, he was already eight million dollars over budget and four days behind schedule. Cohen let David go, Davis go, and ultimately hired Glazer, whom he had worked with on the first season of Miami Vice. Dang, dude! Eight million dollars over budget in four days. Right. You you gotta try to do that. (laughs) It's because of the professor title. Yeah. The body count. In this film is 41. That seems low. <laughs> I like This is a good number. I like that. <laughs> uh, the Running Man game show seen in the film was based upon an early 1980s Japanese game show called Trans-American Ultra Quiz, in which contestants were tortured in various ways. The prize went to whichever contestant could stand the pain slash humiliation the longest. God, mm. Jesus. <laughs> Schwarzenegger wears a World's Gym sweatshirt in the scene after he escapes from the prison. World's Gym was owned by Schwarzenegger at the time. That makes sense. Dang. All right. We need a link on where we can find uh, running, or the Running Man home game. We do need that. <laughs> yes. Uh, somebody actually has made it. I looked it up. Really? Yeah. Really? So I think you can purchase it. I don't. I didn't. That that leads me. I won't give it away, but while I was watching the movie, that the 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 home game really keyed me on what I want to do for the graphics for this one. I can't oh, I can't wait cool. to do it. I'm gonna tackle it this weekend. Neat. That's I think awesome. it'll be fun. Well, thanks everybody for joining us again. Um, again, check this movie out. I know uh, some of these your uh, younger viewers, and we're picking these older movies, ancient for you. Um, but you know, we watch them because, uh, there's a reason, you know, they're, they're just good. They're classics for, oh God, they're classics at this point, but they are classics for a reason. So are you. And so am I. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, thanks for stopping by. Uh, I am Matt. Support a writer, read a book. I'm Mrs. Matt. Also support another writer. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Big Sully. Definitely not a writer. Nerds Unite. Well, that hit the spot. The Running Man has been brought to you by Breakaway Paramilitary Uniform, Ortho Pure Procreation Pill, and Cadre Cola. It hits the spot. Promotional considerations paid for by Kelton Flamethrowers, Wainwright Electrical Launchers, and Hammond and Gates Chainsaws. 
Damon Gilligan's wardrobe by Chez Antoine. 19th century craftsmanship for the 21st century man. Cadre Trooper and Studio Guard sidearms provided by Colchester, the pistol of patriots. Remember, tickets for the ICS Studio Tour are always available for Class A citizens in good standing. If you'd like to be a contestant on The Running Man, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to ICS Talent Hunt, air of your local affiliate, and then go out and do something really despicable. I'm Phil Hilton. Good night and take care.